Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, alumni. Here we are once again. It's today, the day you listen to After Four. I know you thought it might never get here again, but we made it. Congratulations. I'm John Steele, and it's time to kick off a new episode. So here we go. Today, we are joined by Jeremy, an alumnus from Youngstown State University, and he's going to share with us the unique ways that InterVarsity still plays a meaningful role in his life today, particularly as he develops his post-college community. But it's probably from a slightly different perspective than you might anticipate, as Jeremy is also going to share about his departure from Christianity after grad school. It's a unique story up to this point on After Four, and I'm really glad that Jeremy was able to join us to tell it. So here he is. This is Jeremy, and this one's for you, alumni. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. So word on the street is this is your first ever guest appearance on a podcast. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling pretty good. If this is a good podcast, which yeah. I'm sure it will be. That's up to you and me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to get to know you and to hear more of your story and what life after college has been like for you. I'm sure that there's been many interesting twists and turns. Some things have gone the way you anticipated. Some things have not gone the way you anticipated, I would imagine. And I'm looking forward to hearing all about those things. Let's start at the beginning. Where did you go to school and what did you study while you were there? I'm actually wrapping the shirt right now. So nice. <laughs> I went to Youngstown State University in Youngstown, Ohio. I am from Ohio originally, Cleveland, Ohio, the actual city of Cleveland, not a suburb. I chose Youngstown because it was close. It was the cheapest. It all worked out. I miss that place every day. What did I study? I was an English major. The original plan was to be a teacher, but... I found the world of higher education completely on accident, which is how most people in higher ed get into it. Nobody says, I want to be a dean of students because nobody knows what that is, right? They'll maybe say a college president, but you don't have to be in higher education to like get that far. So that was the original plan. Then went to Miami University, also in Ohio, and got my master's in student affairs and higher education. Fun fact about Miami University, when most people think of Miami, they think of Miami, Florida, right? Miami University, second university founded in Ohio in 1809. It was founded before Florida was even a state. Fun fact. <laughs> the original <laughs> Miami. Exactly. It's nowhere near as glamorous as Miami, Florida. Beautiful campus. And that is it. Okay. <laughs> the closest mall was like 30, 40 minutes away. That should tell you something. <laughs> that tells us quite a bit. Yes. So... Let's see here. Youngstown was where you did your undergrad. You said you were an English major while you were there? Yes, sir. Okay. You said you sort of stumbled into the world of higher education and your grad program was a part of that. But somewhere in the midst of this, you met InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Tell me sort of the origin story of Jeremy getting to know InterVarsity. What was that like? 
Wow. Okay. So my first memory ever interacting with somebody from InterVarsity. And funny enough, I don't think I realized that it was called InterVarsity until I graduated, which I will get to in a second. So I was at a football game with a friend of mine at the time, and she was with Katie Schneider, Katie Schneider Chambers now phenomenal human being. And so I was first introduced to her at that football game. But somewhere in my sophomore year, I heard about Bible studies and I had friends in Bible study. And so every now and again, I would go and then eventually I'd go more and more because, you know, growing in my faith, they just sounded like a really good group of people to be around. And of course, the home cooked meals were always great because Katie would often have people at her house to like have a meal and fellowship together. I had some fun memories with InterVarsity or CBC, as I knew it then, Collegiate Black and Christian. I thought it was just Black people having Bible study. That's all I thought it was. Yeah, that's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Whether or not you knew it as InterVarsity, if you're going through this time with this great community that you got to be a part of, did you have any sort of InterVarsity experience in your grad program? So that is a good question. I don't even know if it existed at Miami. But then again, I never sought it out because somewhere in grad school, my faith shifted, not intentionally, but it happened. And I'd say it got worse at my first professional job and a little bit of my background. I grew up in church. I grew up Kojic, Church of God in Christ, largest Black Pentecostal denomination in the world. They're crazy, but they're my people. I still claim them, even though I'm not in church anymore. Yeah, I grew up Kojic. So when I went away to college the first time, I had a plan because there's a church that I already knew. Great. But when I went away to Oxford, Ohio, I knew nobody there. And grad school as a black dude, because it was like rich white people pretty much everywhere, right? That was kind of difficult. There wasn't an all black space that I could fall back on that was like readily available. It was there. It was just, you really had to seek it out. And at Youngstown, I didn't have to seek that out. I was very well connected. I knew a whole bunch of people. I had a bunch of different friend groups. I was homecoming king my senior year. And so to like go from the popular man on campus to like being a nobody, I think that probably played into part of my not seeking out similar things to like inner varsity. Did you have any expectation that that significant of a shift would happen going from your undergrad experience to your grad program? I knew it would be different, but I wasn't expecting how different it actually was. I do not regret going to Miami at all. I appreciate it a lot now, but man, were there some difficult times. Which is a pretty significant shift when you're used to a friend group that you can count on. You know where your space is and who your people are. You just understand the environment that you're existing in. And then you move into a new space. And it's just like, where are my people? Who who am I supposed to connect with here? And to not find that, gosh, that's really challenging. And the funny thing is, when I graduated grad school, I've been meeting university people at the most random it's wild that I still have connection to university. And I'm glad that even though I'm not in church anymore, I can still look back on my university experience with fond memories because I often, so I'm agnostic now. I often say I'm agnostic with Christian tendencies. And there's like <laughs> a whole reason for that. I remember meeting university people in college and thinking, wow, this is nothing like my church back at home. 
I'm sure many churches are also guilty of this. It was my way, like the highway. Questions weren't really encouraged. It really wasn't the most open environment at the time. And that was really solidified when I went to church in Youngstown. It was even more closed-minded. It is what it is. And I often say that if I had the InterVarsity Foundation pre-college, I probably would still be in church now. I'm sure people of all faiths have to like realize this. There is a life outside of the church walls. And I don't think I really realized that at the time. Now I do. And some people, they would say, oh, if you go out into the world, your life is going to be like hell, right? How many people testified? I was out in the world, then I found Jesus, and then my life is magically better. And I don't want to take that away from them because faith, if done right, can be very important to people, sense of community, belonging, morals, all of that jazz. But I think for me growing up, because I was so sheltered and everything was discouraging outside of the church walls. And then I got to college and grad school, especially, and met people who wanted nothing to do with the church. And they seemed perfectly fine. A lot happened. And here we are. You've said a couple of things that are kind of interesting to me, Jeremy, if you're willing to speak into those just a little bit more. You said that if you had had intervarsity experiences pre-college, that maybe you would still be in the church today. I'm just interested to know where that recognition comes from and what that actually means for you. So if I was allowed to like ask questions earlier and acknowledging different perspectives earlier being around more open-minded people who struggle with questions as well. Because sometimes I think in church, we have to like suffer silently and not talk about things out in the open. I think if I had that, my foundation probably wouldn't have been as shaky when I ultimately encountered different people and then ultimately ended up leaving church. When you went to Miami, this next phase of life, do you mind sharing some of these questions that you started wrestling with in that space? If there's any you feel comfortable talking about, I'd be interested to hear what were some of the big questions you were asking? Absolutely. I'd say I started asking the big questions in my first professional job. At Miami, the faith was still going, but especially looking back now, not as strong as it was in undergrad. And so my first job was at the University of Michigan. And that was the first recollection of the racial reckoning. I do believe the first thing was like Trayvon Martin. Obviously, he wasn't the first, but I remember that was the first big thing that took the country by storm. And I remember thinking, y'all don't see how messed up this is. There's this Black dude that was gunned down and like people in the church were justifying this. Not the Black church, I didn't think. But I just remember thinking, what is the church doing? I was out of church at this point, but also I'm hearing from my friends still in church. And so that really threw me for a loop because that was like the first thing that I noticed in my lifetime. Had I heard about stuff previously? Of course. But I was a kid back then, so I really didn't take it too seriously. And then combined with, oh, give it to Jesus, he'll like make everything better. Now I'm a full-fledged adult who can think more critically now and think differently about things. That was the big thing. And then I often get asked when people find out that I'm gay, oh, did your faith have anything to like do with that? 
Not really. I mean, it does a little bit, but I'd say the racial injustice was probably the biggest contributor to me leaving the church. It sounds to me like to go back to Youngstown, you were a part of this thriving community. You had all of these things in common. You were moving forward together in faith. When you went to Miami, your community is not there. Not only your community from Youngstown, but even just like you said, it's an all white school and there's nobody else that you can really identify well with that's readily available to you. So you have this feeling of loneliness and the broader faith community isn't there. You start to stagnate. You move into this other job and Trayvon Martin is murdered. And then you're also having this place of recognizing, oh, man, the church that I grew up in doesn't feel open minded in ways that I need them to. So I can't really trust or go to them for things going on in my life. And so much of what I see in the white church is not handling the Trayvon Martin situation the way that they should. And so it even alienates you from the white side of the church community. If I'm hearing you correctly, it seems like time and time again, you're left out in the cold with like, who are my people? In this situation, who I can identify with, who I can commiserate with, who I can talk through and debrief with and figure out, like, what do I do next and where do I go from here? Am I getting an accurate picture of these things? I'd say that's pretty accurate. One thing I appreciate about InterVarsity, even now, you remember when I said earlier that I met InterVarsity people at like the most random times? Yeah, that's one of the other things I wanted to ask you about. So one time I was walking through Michigan's campus and I see InterVarsity was the only church thing that I saw that actually addressed. I don't know if it was Trayvon specifically, but I know it was a board and there was a racial component to it that addressed that. So Latricia Mitchell, I met her. And then when I moved here to Indiana, I was randomly introduced through a friend of mine to the Zenteras. It's wild. But I say all of that to say InterVarsity was the first that I noticed addressing it on a larger scale. There was like a bright spot. So then tell me just a little bit about hanging out with the Zenteras. I know the Zenteras. I work with the Zenteras and I know that hospitality is their thing. They love having people over, spending time, feeding them good food. Tell me just a little bit about what your experience with Zentera hospitality has been like. And how has it been good for your soul even? Oh, it's been great. It has been great. So obviously the Sinteras are white, right? Obviously, if people cannot pick up on that. So one thing that I really appreciate about them, and this isn't just about being white, but like in general, that they really seek to understand people as people and they allow people to exist as people. I was introduced to them through a friend of mine who's super in the church. The first time I met them was Juneteenth during quarantine. George Floyd had just happened, right? The month prior. And I remember my department at the time really did not handle that well at all. And I remember sitting on that Zoom meeting. I'm like, this is so bad, so bad. And me being an empath, I was overwhelmed. It was bad. And so my friend Bishop, he sent all the people of color in the department a text like, hey, my friends, they want to have this Juneteenth celebration. They're white, but they're really all about serving people. And they really wanted us to like have this space. White people opening their homes to like let us have a Juneteenth celebration. Wow. 
And they only knew Bishop, so they did not know anybody else. And so I'm like, okay, free food, Juneteenth. Why not, right? Another friend of mine, she called him and was like, I have questions. <laughs> um, and so some of us went over there and it was a good time. And they just let people exist as people. They don't care that I'm this agnostic gay dude. They love me just the same. I ask them questions and like they answer it based on their experience and they just have a growth and learning mindset to like really learn about other people that I wish the church in general had more of because you can learn a lot from your neighbors and people different from you. I feel that people should be open to hearing different perspectives and learning about different walks of life and how people celebrate, but also people struggle and people should be open about that. That doesn't necessarily mean that you agree, but like you can understand. And I wish that the church had more of that. And that's something that I appreciate about the Zenteras. I love them so, so much. They're just a part of how I can look back on my university experience because most of like the university people that I encountered were just like them. The Zenteras, Katie, just really open and wanting to learn about people's experience or like wanting to like help people. That's really amazing to just almost accidentally run into people that broke down some of the expectations that you had for the way that certain parts of the world or certain parts of the church operated to know that, oh, there are people who don't function the way that I anticipated in these situations. And like you said, these intervarsity people just sort of keep popping up in your life <laughs> here and there. And to see that you've had, it sounds to me like examples that you appreciate of people who identify as Christian and yet continue to have a positive influence, people you're able to to have a good relationship with that sort of exude some of these characteristics that you long to see in the people around you. That's exciting that you've gotten to even just by accident run into people who are like that. Absolutely. And they've definitely made living in Indiana much more bearable. No shade <laughs> to Indiana. I am from a big city. College town life, it is not it. But hey, I got a promotion at work. I like working at Purdue. The people are great. Here I am, right? Fifth academic year. But yeah, like I feel like I'm a pretty positive person in general. And there was definitely a time that I internally blamed the church. And that's not to say that the church still doesn't have a lot to answer for. But who was the church filled with? People. And people are flawed. And I like to think that most times, not all of the time, but most times people do the best with what they know. Now, whether that's good or bad, that is for them to like decide and reflect on. But I like to think that people are doing the best that they can. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't strive to like be better. But I'm choosing to like give people grace because I want people to give me grace. Do some of these people that you've encountered give you hope that there actually is a way of following Jesus that seems worthwhile? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because more and more I'm meeting and reconnecting and People are getting more bold in their faith. It gives me hope. I also think that's part of my generation also recognizing that there's a lot of racial injustice in the country and the world. And not just that, but people are not tolerating foolishness anymore. And they're asking questions and they're being bold about it and owning their experiences. I wish I had that when I was younger. Now I'll say what I need to say and I can articulate it. But when I was younger, like I didn't have that. I was just following what I knew. 
Jeremy, I feel like I could keep talking to you for a really long time. I feel like we've only scratched the surface of so many things, but I just want to ask you one last question, and that's based on your experiences thus far, what advice would you give to a senior who's about to graduate from college and enter into their new post-college reality? Don't grow up as a trap. I'm kidding. (laughs) Kind of, kind of. But advice that I would give to a graduating senior So I would say, ask questions. It is okay to ask questions and embrace all of the change that comes like the discomfort because it's going to come because I think for many people, college can be a bit of a bubble. Even working on a college campus, it's a bubble in and of itself. And that can be really rough for people when they leave said bubble. Community outside of college will be different. I don't think I was prepared for that because once you graduate, most likely people are going to go every which way and lives get busy. And depending on the personality of the person, it can be really, really hard to make the transition into adulthood because it can be hard to like make friends at work. And there are some people who believe that you should not be friends with the people that you work with. Also, not related, but pay off your debt if you can. Fun fact, I paid off my debt on Juneteenth at my Andy's house. (laughs) That's awesome. Yep. Get financially secure as soon as possible. I am literally kicking myself every day like, why did I not start sooner? So I tell every senior that I know as well. So totally agree, man. I'm so sad for the years that I deferred my loans. I was the only one that brought debt into our family. When I asked her parents if I could marry her, they said, yes, but you will take a course in financial management together so that you can be on the same page financially moving forward. And we did that. And two or three years into our marriage, we were debt free. Now we're back in debt with a house, but being out of debt is an amazing experience. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing like it. Yes. Jeremy, thank you so much for giving your time and thank you for sharing your story so openly. I'm grateful for who you are. I'm grateful for the journey that you're on. I hope that you know that you are a valued and loved alumnus of InterVarsity. And man, we're just really grateful for you. So blessings on the things that come next. And in this new job, I hope it continues to be an amazing place for you that you get to really experience your giftedness and keep hanging out with those Zenteras as much as you possibly can. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jeremy, for being on. Thank you. When we first launched this podcast, we said that we wanted it to be a place to platform alumni stories a place where you could share the array of experiences that you're having after college. And the longer that this podcast continues, the larger diversity of stories we get to hear. Now, Jeremy's story is unique to After Four in that he's the first of our alumni to share about a transition away from Christianity post-college, but he is certainly not the only alum to have an experience like that. Many of us have had a challenging transition to life after college, a transition that's brought up equally challenging questions. And sometimes the answers that end up satisfying those questions lead us in a different direction than we probably anticipated while hanging out with our chapters. And it would be totally disingenuous of me to pretend that we don't grieve when we hear stories of alumni deconverting. Of course we do. We believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and we want everyone, certainly our alumni, to hold on to that hope. But what I love is that there is so much to celebrate with Jeremy and with other alumni like him. Jeremy's found friends who love him people he enjoys sharing his life with. It's 
the kind of thing that many of us are still searching for. He's found meaningful work and he enjoys his job. I'm guessing that there are probably a bunch of alumni who would like him to write a book on how that's possible. And he's also making financially responsible decisions and he's no longer weighed down by debt. That's amazing. These are fantastic accomplishments and I'm so excited to hear about our alumni who are making these strides and thriving in these ways. That is something to celebrate, friends. Jeremy, thank you again for spending your time with us this week. Thank you for sharing your story. I had a great time chatting with you, and I am so glad that you are one of our alumni. Make sure the next time you hang out with Mike and Annie that you say hi from John, you say hi from the After Four podcast, and from all of our listeners as well. Speaking of Mike and Annie, if you've been scratching your head about those names as they've come up during our conversation, scratch no more. You can meet Mike and Annie Zentera in a previous episode of the podcast, Making Space for Hospitality. It released on September 20th. So give that a listen for an even better understanding of why Jeremy loves hanging out with these people. That will also help tide you over until next week when we hear from Sarah, a University of North Carolina Wilmington alumna. Now, Sarah's going to take us on a journey next week as we explore the unexpected path that she took to reconnect with Jesus. In Sarah's own words, it was a typical prodigal son story. It's admittedly a messy story that spans college and post-college, but it's a story that results in an alumna who loves Jesus, who loves the church, and has a real soft spot for other alumni experiencing the challenges of transition. So be sure to join us next week for Sarah's story. And can I just say, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, alumni. I'm really grateful for you. If you're someone who's been enjoying these alumni stories, would you do me a favor? If you haven't already, would you take just a moment to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform to turn on notifications so that you don't miss any new episodes? And would you share with your friends? You and listeners just like you are invaluable to what we're doing here. So if you'd like to help out, when you hear an episode you really connect with, send a link for that episode to a friend or follow us on Instagram at After4Pod and share our posts in your stories for all of your fellow alumni and other post-college friends to enjoy with you. Thanks so much for doing that and thanks for listening each week. Once again, I am incredibly grateful for you. All right, that's it for today. And I will see you in the after, alumni.